Good morning, Chapel Hill. All right, it is time once again, get out your Bibles, open up your Bible apps. If you do not have a Bible with you, you're going to need one to follow along in, and we have some that you can use. So if you don't have a Bible with you, just put your hand up, and our ushers are coming around. They'll get you a Bible that you can follow along in. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, just keep the one that you receive. Um, There is just so much for us to explore in there. All right, as we continue our study through the first five chapters in the book of Acts this morning, I want us to go into this message looking for answers to a few questions. Three questions in particular. Question number one, what does this passage say about God? Question number two, what does this passage say about Peter? Question number three, what does this passage say about me? And I don't mean just me and you. What does it say to us? What does it say about us? Uh, We are going to see some big picture truth about the love and grace of God. We're going to learn something about Peter that I had never seen before, and you know that I follow Peter closely. And we're going to see something about our calling that I think we need to keep in front of us at all times. So be looking for those things. Turn to Acts chapter 3 now. Acts chapter 3. Today's passage follows the miraculous healing that we looked at last week. Peter and John encountered a lame man at the temple gate and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The man who had never walked a step in his life is now walking and leaping even and he's entered the temple full of praise to God. Not surprisingly, a crowd gathers amazed at what just happened. And that's where we pick up our story for today. This is Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 11 through 26. Acts 3, 11 to 26. <clears throat> this is what Luke records. Well, he, the man who was just healed, well, he clung to Peter and John. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. 
You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. All right, let's pray before we break this down and get into it. Father, once again, um, I'm absolutely amazed at the depth of your word, the riches that are found there. And so as we dive into this story of the words that you spoke through Peter, God, just open up our eyes to see what you have for us. Um, Help us to capture what you've brought us here to capture this morning. Help us to be encouraged, enlightened, inspired, challenged, maybe even convicted by what we read, what we hear. Um, God, just bring your word to life for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our story opens with the gathering of the crowd. The healed man is walking along with Peter and John, clinging to them out of joy and gratitude for what happened through them. All this has attracted a crowd, which was God's design from the start, which clarifies something that was brought up last Sunday after the service. Uh, Someone from our church family came up to me after last week's message with a great thought that he shared with me. It was, it was great. He mentioned that it must have been pretty amazing for Jesus to have passed this beggar at the gate himself when he was around. There's no doubt that Jesus and his disciples had seen this man before. Everyone had. But having passed him many times, Jesus did not heal him. How incredible to think that Jesus could see this future moment when the healing of this man accomplished by the Holy Spirit through Peter and John would lead to the assembly of a crowd who would be there to hear what Peter had to say. Listen, church, God's timing is a thing to behold. God had planned exactly what he needed to happen to make this moment fulfill its purpose. Remember that when there are moments in your own life, like mine, when you think that God could have intervened, should have intervened in our opinion sometimes, but he didn't. It's not that he missed an opportunity, dropped the ball. Our story today is a showcase of God's perfect timing. He knows the purpose that he's assigned to every single moment. The purpose of this moment seems to be to have this particular crowd gather, having witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit at work, to learn what God was offering them. Yes, the man could have been healed long before this, but God knew. Let's remember that. The crowd gathered in a part of the temple called Solomon's Portico, which is also known as Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Colonnade. This was a long, narrow porch that ran along the eastern wall of the temple. 
Um, John chapter 10 verse 23 tells us that Jesus had taught in that exact location before. This narrow section of the temple, um, just 23 feet wide, was lined on one side by the wall and on the other side by 40 foot tall pillars and it was covered on the top by cedar planks that provided protection from the elements. Why is it called Solomon's portico? Well, this porch was built along the very wall that Solomon had built a long, long time before this. This place became a regular meeting place for followers of Jesus. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 5. Peter starts his speech in verse 12. And we can learn from how he started. The crowd naturally is looking, for Pe- looking at Peter and John like they're magicians or superheroes of some kind. How did they do that? But Peter immediately shuts that door. This wasn't us. Peter calls out two things. Power and piety. A redirect needs to happen here. The two of them did not heal this man. It wasn't their power or their piety, their holiness that accomplished this. So quick personal application. Aren't these two things very relevant excuses for us when it comes to our impact on the people around us? I don't have the power. I don't have the ability to impact this world. I'm simply not good enough to be a force for good in this world. Speaking for myself, I'm going to say that those two statements are correct. (laughs) I'm not powerful enough. I'm not good enough. But God is. His spirit lives in us, ready to be called on for his power and his holiness. In verse 13, we see Peter do something that he's done before. He connects with his audience. He's really good at this. How does one go about getting the attention of a first century Jewish crowd? Drop names. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers. That's how. Their history meant the world to them. This was their value system, their worldview. Okay, back to us for a moment. God's showing us something here. Do we know how to speak to our audience? There's a crowd gathered around us daily. What's their value system? What's their worldview? This is something that we can equip ourselves in. And we have relationships with organizations like Steiger who specialize in this kind of thing. What connecting points can we develop to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak through us like he did through Peter and many others? In verse 13, Peter also brings Jesus into the picture. And I'm going to be honest when I say that Peter's words seem so judgmental here. I thought that until I saw something this week that I haven't seen before. Peter talks about what happened when Jesus was crucified. The crowd in front of him now handed Jesus over to Pilate. They were part of that scene. They chose not to have Jesus released, freeing a murderer instead. And in response to their decisions, Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified, to be killed. And now here's Peter accusing them of doing all this. And he's right, that's what they did. But as he'll explain later, there was something bigger going on in that moment. Here's what jumped up and slapped me in the face this time through this story. 
Look at the second half of verse 13. Second half of verse 13. Peter says, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. And then Peter says the same thing in verse 14. You denied the holy and righteous one. Peter is using the exact same word that was used in the Bible to describe what Peter did to Jesus when he was confronted on the night of Jesus' crucifixion. This crowd denied Jesus. So did Peter. I want us to get inside Peter's head as we hear him say these words to the crowd. Peter saying, you did what I did. There's no way Peter could have just ignored what he had done as he accused this crowd of doing the same thing. Now, thank God that the story doesn't end with judgment. You and I would be in a lot of trouble if it did. And so would Peter, so would that crowd. So Peter acknowledges what happened. They killed the author of life. But now the focus is not on what they did anymore. The focus is on Jesus. And when Peter refers to Jesus as the author of life, he's talking about the one who leads the world in life. He provides an example. He is the creator of life. He's the prince of life, which means that he alone had the power to overcome death. And they were all witnesses to the power Jesus had over death and how he came back to life. And in verse 16, Peter states that Jesus, the author of life, is the reason why this man was now standing before them. Faith in Jesus had made him well. Remember that Peter had said to the man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus was behind all that they had seen. And Jesus is behind all that's happening in our own lives to bring healing and wholeness. We're witnesses of his power. This past week, uh, I attended a board meeting for Haiti Teen Challenge. I'm on their board. This is an organization that we support as a church through our missions giving I've been involved with Haiti Teen Challenge for over 10 years now. Um, The country of Haiti is in trouble. Uh, You may have heard something about what's happening there. There was an article released in the New Yorker this past week. It'll come out in print tomorrow. Um, The article is called Haiti Held Hostage. It was one of the most discouraging, hopeless articles I've ever read in my life. It was awful. Haiti is in deep, deep trouble right now. The infrastructure in the country has collapsed. The capital city, Port-au-Prince, has been taken over by gangs. Violence, instability, starvation, kidnapping, and a host of other problems are destroying the country. And no one seems to be able to come up with a solution. Yet right there in the capital city is a ministry run entirely by Haitians that while facing all the same struggles is thriving. Lives are being transformed. Hope is being offered. Individuals, families, and communities are finding light shining into the darkness. And that's not happening because of the power and piety of the Haitian believers who serve in that ministry. They're flourishing because Jesus is there. 
And the power of the Holy Spirit is proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ as life is finding its place among a lot of death and a lot of darkness. The crowd that Peter was talking to had done some awful things. Peter had done some awful things. Now God was doing some amazing things in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, that same power is available to you and me. Verses 17 and 18 speak of the fulfillment of prophecy. Again, speaking into the values and worldview of those gathered. God said through the prophets that Jesus would suffer. And he certainly did at their hands. But Peter states that the people and their rulers acted in ignorance. He aligns here with Jesus again. Jesus stated from the cross that those people didn't know what they were doing. How gracious is that? Well, we agree that many of the people around us are acting in ignorance. And I don't mean that we call them dumb. It's not what Jesus did. That's not what Peter was doing. But rather than write them off as wrong and evil, are we gracious enough to say that they're acting in ignorance? Are we willing to stand with Jesus and Peter on the fact that they don't know who Jesus is? Their sinful nature is causing them to act in ways that you and I would act if it wasn't for the fact that we have Jesus. So instead of a final judgment, a statement that they're all going to hell maybe, God's spirit prompts Peter to give this crowd an invitation. It's not an easy invitation, but it's an invitation. And it starts with the word repent. This is the hard part. Repentance involves turning around and heading in a different direction. And believe me, there are many obstacles in our lives to this turning. On Tuesday, I attended an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting to support somebody that I knew. He was a guest speaker from, for the group that evening. And I'm so grateful that I got to be there and hear his story. He was an inspiration and a huge encouragement to those who had come. There were about 25 of them probably. Listen, addictions of any kind make something like repentance really difficult. And that reality goes far beyond an addiction to alcohol. We get addicted to images, to feelings, substances, status, money, power, gambling, shopping, gossip, and this list goes for a while. There are a lot of things controlling us, including ignorance, that are hard to turn away from, but that's what Peter's invitation starts with. Turn away and head in a new direction. And immediately he presents them with their goal. Peter says, so that your sins may be blotted out. He's inviting them to turn from guilt and embrace forgiveness. And he uses an interesting phrase here. He talks about their sins being blotted out. I've heard that phrase before, but there's a very literal application to this phrase. Back in Peter's day, things were written down on parchment. 
Parchment is an animal skin that's been prepared for writing on. It's been dried out. That's a little different than what we write on these days. Parchment provided a smooth, hard surface, and the ink used on that parchment was often silver or gold in color and written on parchment that had been dyed purple, which sounds beautiful. It sounds really impressive. The ink that was used did not have the acid content that modern ink does. That acid causes the ink in your pen to burn its way into the paper, making it permanent. Ink back then sat on the surface of the parchment. That meant that whatever was written could simply be blotted off the page with a sponge, as if there had never been anything there in the first place. That, brothers and sisters, is what God has done for us. That's the invitation Peter was making. That's the invitation that God extends to you and me. But wait, there's more. The invitation includes times of refreshing in verse 20. In spite of what they did, God's offering refreshment. Not just a clean slate, refreshing. New life, new strength, new power. And Peter even clarifies the source of these new things. It's the presence of the Lord. And God would send them Jesus. And he's promising that Jesus will come back. And Peter even says that God appointed Jesus for them. In verse 21, Peter says that they'll get this part of their gift when the time comes for all things to be restored. The bonus to having their sins blotted out, which was very central to their worldview. Remember all the sacrifices that, and, and what they stood for. That bonus was vast. And yes, this all applies to you and me. We've been forgiven Our sins have been blotted out. Refreshment from the Lord is ours. New life, new power, his presence among us, his Holy Spirit living in us. His promise to return and restore all things is true. And he's even called us into that restoration of all things right now. And that leads us in verse 22 back to Peter's connection with his audience. He brings up the prophets starting with Moses. Peter quotes Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 and verses 18 through 19. Through Moses, God said he would raise up a prophet like Moses and they would listen to him. That prophet was Jesus. Verse 23 is the warning that those who don't listen to Jesus are going to face destruction. And verse 24 speaks of all the prophets who have spoken. When we were living in Senegal, we were there for the translation and spreading of a fantastic book that brought the good news of Jesus to the Senegalese people. In their worldview, prophets carried a lot of weight. And so the book used was called All That the Prophets Have Spoken. This is the kind of approach that would appeal to the Jews in Peter's time. So that's what he's doing. He's referring to all the prophets and what God said through them. And Peter continues to tie history together 
with a reference to Abraham in verses 25 and 26. God's people are offspring of the prophets like Moses and Abraham and recipients of the covenant that God made with Abraham. In that covenant found back in Genesis 22, God promised Abraham that his offspring would bless all the families of the earth. And he was referring here to people groups, all the nations, all the people groups of the earth. The world would be blessed through God's people. And yes, that's us. And what did God do to fulfill this blessing? He sent Jesus first to the Jews. They had been his people. And in spite of all that they had done, God wanted to bless them first. At the beginning of this message, um, I said that we'd be looking for the answers to three questions. So let's see if they actually got answered. Question number one, what does this passage say about God? Well, how about the obvious? God is gracious and merciful. He spoke through Peter to the same crowd that crucified Jesus, and his message to them included a significant blessing. He sent the truth about Jesus to them to save them because he loved them. He offered forgiveness to the actual crowd that denied the release of Jesus and insisted that he be crucified. And he offers that same blessing, that same forgiveness to every one of us. Question number two is what does this passage say about Peter? Once again, we see the same man who denied knowing Jesus boldly standing in front of what used to be a hostile crowd, one that he was very afraid of, declaring the truth about Jesus. And Peter preached what he had received. He preached Jesus and he connected so well with his audience. God was using him in incredible ways by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And question number three, what does this passage say about me? Okay, you make that personal. Make it personal. Here's one of the ways that I'm making it personal. This week we're heading out on vacation for a couple of weeks. We're going to drive out to the West Coast to visit my parents and spend some time in Vancouver where I grew up. On the way, we're going to drive through and visit some locations that have significance to my family. Places where my grandparents lived, even where they immigrated to. So my thoughts are on my heritage. What was passed along to me through my ancestors? Well, my dad has devoted his life to God and his kingdom. My grandfather did the same. And here I am taking a trip with taking a trip with my three boys before two of them head off to college and to face the world that lies before them. What does this passage say about me? It says that God has blessed me going far, far back, far beyond my father and my grandfather. And he has designed me to be a blessing. 
blessing to my family, but also a blessing to all the families of the earth. Peter's sermon in our passage today reminded me that God's love extended to me is meant to be extended through me to the world around me, as close as my home and as far away as Haiti and Senegal. What an incredible privilege it is to have a part in God's story. May we never, ever take that for granted. Let's pray together. And then our worship team's gonna lead us in a closing song. And as we close our eyes and focus on God right now, just reflect for a minute. What has this all said about you? How aware are you that you have received a fulfillment of God's covenant? You have received refreshment. You have received blessing. Your sins have been blotted out. You have been given new life, new power through the Holy Spirit. What's your response to God for that? Father, we are humbled by what you have done for us. And as we look at our story, God, I just want to say thanks that my life didn't turn out to be just about me and all the focus being on me. The reality that I'm part of your story, your history, your covenant, your plan is overwhelming. Father, we are blessed to be part of something bigger. We are blessed to be forgiven. We are blessed to be empowered by your spirit. We are blessed to be called into your kingdom's mission. And we've been fully equipped to carry out what you want to do through us. Thank you, Father, for reminding us that it is not on our own strength. It's not our own power. It's not our own holiness and goodness that makes us effective in this world. It's your spirit working through us. So as we view the opportunities around us, as we see the crowd that stands before us, teach us how to speak to them. Teach us how to connect with them. Teach us how to open doors, build bridges so that your Holy Spirit can work in mighty ways. Help us to realize, Father, that your desire is to bless the people around us. Your desire is to forgive them. Your desire is to refresh them. And we've already seen today that your love goes far beyond those that just appear to be good goes all the way down to those who have denied you, those who have expressed hatred towards you. 
God, your love is for the world, the cosmos, for every person and everything that you've created. So I just ask that you would get us on board with that as individuals and as a church, that we would speak light into the darkness, that we would speak Jesus into everything that is happening around us, into a world that desperately needs what you have to offer. Thanks for continuing to show us this, for continuing to remind us that we are fully equipped for this and that we have been blessed to be a blessing right close at home in the area where we live around the world your kingdom your church has been blessed to be a blessing keep doing that work in us I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ your son Amen.